0: I'm Louise Thomas Mins, skin health therapist, expert, educator, product formulator, entrepreneur, and mum. I have been in the business of nurturing people's skin back to health for 15 years. In this podcast, I'm going to bring you some of my 26 years of experience and I allow you to be a fly on the wall in my treatment room. Most of all, I want this podcast to boost my mission, which is to educate you in how to become your own skin health expert and help you to find the tools to do this.
1: Can't quite believe it still, I don't think. You know, as with a lot of people, founding a brand starts, you know, way before that was ever the intention. Yeah, I think most of them frustrate me to be honest (laughs) absolutely yeah just what you need on a desert island
0: Before we dive into this week's guests, I want to tell you about our sponsors, Panasonic Beauty. Their three-pillared approach to personal care focuses on investing in yourself, their superior quality and Japanese excellence. Their range of skincare devices enables you to benefit from nano-ionic, sonic vibration, microcurrent, hot-cool and patented micro-foam technology. I've been using and recommending their skincare devices for over five years now as a great way to deeply cleanse, hydrate, firm, tone and care for your skin between professional facial treatments. You can find out more about the range by heading to their Instagram profile at PanasonicBeautyUK. Are listening to this and you are vegan? Then you won't want to miss today's conversation. I am joined by makeup artist, ex model, founder of Junie Cosmetics, and CEW Young Achiever Award winner, Madeline White. Now, I've known Madeline for quite a few years now and I've been privy to her journey into creating the Juni Vegan Lip Care brand and we are going to dive into her own skin health story and what her motivation was behind creating the brand. Madeline, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: thanks Louise. That was a lovely introduction. I'm um, really well, thank you. I'm busy in the run up to Christmas as I'm sure you are too. Um, but, yeah, all good stuff.
0: And so, well, I mean, congratulations, first of all, on this amazing award, which it was just literally last week, wasn't it? Or was it only this week or last week that you went along to the award ceremony?
1: Yeah, last Monday. And I only found out about it about two weeks before that. So, yeah, it's all been a bit of a whirlwind and a really lovely surprise.
0: Um, but, yeah, can't quite believe it still, I don't think. Oh, well, that is just fantastic. And um, I'm just really want to kind of you know get to know more about um well I know quite a lot about your journey to getting the brand out there but um listeners may not um but before we do that I'm also really interested to understand perhaps about why you became vegan um when you became vegan and why that is so important to you.
1: Hmm. Yeah so I think you know as with a lot of people founding a brand starts you know way before that was ever the intention it's years and years of experiences and um, Journeys and and different things that one day eventually lead to a brand so if we're looking at sort of veganism for me actually I've always had quite a sensitive stomach um, quite a few dietary requirements, you know really since I was a, a toddler so yeah, it was quite difficult at times actually. I kind of forced myself to find it interesting and you know, learn as much as I could. But actually having dietary requirements and allergies and sensitivities is a challenge. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that's why like for me it was it's really important to to talk about this with you because you know, we are it, in, in an age at the moment, definitely in the last five years where veganism has exploded. And, um, you know, let's face it, a lot of people have jumped on that bandwagon. And, um, you know, it, it sort of had real kind of mixed thoughts around it. And, and so I really wanted to, and actually, whenever I talk about your products, I always make it really clear to people that, you know, you're not just doing this to jump on a bandwagon. This is something that has been with you and that you are really passionate about. And, you know, there's a reason behind why you're vegan. And then that naturally has led into you, yeah, creating the Juni brand. So that's great. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Even though I am vegan, and I have been for quite a few years, and it's, you know, a lifestyle choice, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only way for everyone. And I think, you know, in any aspect, but especially if we're talking about skin health, actually, you know, there are animal products that have benefits to the skin, and I know you talk about that, and I, I can appreciate that too. Um, and I think when you're looking at food and diets and nutrition, okay, yeah, it's about what you're actually eating and consuming, but also it's about your mindset around that. And I know that before I've had probably the wrong mindset around something and then it's been counterproductive so yeah just to say veganism is the only way no not necessarily it's about finding what works for you and also getting proper advice because it's so easy to look on google and you know write yourself a a diet plan and it, it shouldn't be that way you need proper nutritional advice
0: yeah no absolutely and so leading on then to well i mean your your kind of career history being a makeup artist um, as I said you know kind of doing modelling as well um, having what you perceived to be skin issues I have other opinions on that one your skin is beautiful um, but why did you then want to go into formulating the the Juni brand so tell us a bit more about that sort of the journey into that and then of course tell us all about the brand as well.
1: Yeah so going back to what I was saying a minute ago about sort of as a toddler having these sensitivities I've always had sensitive skin but I don't think it's necessarily something that is always triggered by product it's triggered by you know stress lack of sleep what I'm eating it's all sorts of things that run into it and yeah it's right what you said about what you perceive as skin issues you know I sometimes now think oh god my skin looks awful and actually no it doesn't But when I was younger, I used to come out in these sort of rashes and hives on my back. And actually, I didn't care so much how it looked, but it was painful and itchy. So it's one of those things, isn't It's again, how it affects you internally and how it impacts your day-to-day life, I suppose. So yeah, skin has always been something that's been at the forefront of my mind. It's sometimes been a hindrance and a, a discomfort, but also, you know, I'm pleased with how my skin looks now and I feel confident in it. So it, it's been a journey again. But yeah, that that sort of sensitive skin journey is what led me really to create Junie. I think, you know, working as a model and a makeup artist, I was surrounded by all these products. I knew a lot about product in terms of how they should look and feel and, and how they should perform. And I had to teach myself about the ingredients as well, just for my own, you know, personal issues. And actually, I was so disappointed by a lot of the products that were available on the market. I felt like every time I discovered something, OK, I like this point, I like that point. But that let it down. You know, it, there was constant compromise. And yeah, it was just frustration, really, that led to Genie in the end.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I can relate to that in terms of, Lipsticks in particular, and I know you and I have have sat over many uh, a cup of green tea and discussed this, but um, that some lipsticks, I'm not a massive lipstick wearer, although obviously I am now with yours. Um, And one of the reasons was actually for me that when I wore heavily pigmented lipsticks, within a couple of hours, like (laughs) my lips would start shedding um, and it would just get really kind of uncomfortable. um, Whereas when I use yours, That doesn't happen, so so yeah, that kind of brings me real joy. That first of all, I can wear a lipstick, but also I've had so many other friends and clients that have gone, yeah, that happens to me as well. Um, And and I really like the fact that you have been so involved with the formulation of this. So I'm not talking literally; it's you, you know, with your products in a in a kitchen mixing them up. But you've worked really closely with that formulator, haven't you? In terms of, this is what I want to go in there, this is what I don't want to go in there.
1: Absolutely, so yeah, I am a makeup artist, I'm not a cosmetic scientist, I'm not a dermatologist, and I'm well aware of that. Um, But what I do have is personal experience. So when I created the products, and still this is how we're formulating future products, is I sort of come up with this idea And I evaluate everything in my stash and think, okay, what's the best aspect of each product? How can I pull those together? How can I improve on that? And yeah, I kind of brainstorm with the chemist and we come up with a plan and a sort of brief, I suppose, of what the product should look and feel and and how it should perform. And then she goes away and actually pulls that together as a cosmetics chemist brings together all her knowledge and years of experience and education and we create a product and that's a really wonderful experience that's my favorite part of a brand and I know you have recently gone through that as well and I'm sure you absolutely loved it knowing that you know you're quite a skincare geek really I'm sure
0: you (laughs) I'm sure you loved that I did it has definitely been my favorite part of it kind of seeing all of my ideas and my visions for ingredients coming together and and actually you know they're definitely and I'm sure this happened with you with your um chemist there were times where my chemist would say that and that just doesn't work together Louise we can't do that but we can do this and this and have you heard about this new ingredient so that's the joy about you know being able to to literally sit and and work with a chemist um now I have one of your amazing lipsticks here Mm -hmm. which um are really heavy, <laughs> listeners, because the packaging is pretty unique on this. And this is another aspect of Junie that is just fantastic and very innovative, forward-thinking and, um, and I know something else that you're really passionate about. So tell us why this product feels quite heavy and very luxurious in my hands. But actually, what is so special about this packaging for your lipsticks? Well, and and the lip treatment as well. But um, I've got the lipstick in my hand here.
1: Yeah, so our ethos and our tagline at Juni is uncompromising beauty. And that ethos um, is appropriate to the formula, but also to the packaging. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will will know about the plastic issue within the beauty industry in particular. There's, I think it's something like 142 billion units of beauty packaging produced worldwide, the vast majority of which are not recyclable. Um, sometimes they're single use, quite a lot gets thrown away after just one use. Um, so yeah, it, it's a real issue. And I wanted to tackle that by completely eradicating plastic from our production line and all of our products. Um, But not only just, you know, getting rid of the plastic, but swapping that with a green material. So all of our packaging is made from 100% aluminium, which we created in collaboration with some product designers. So it's completely unique and bespoke to Junie. And the reason aluminium is so great is because it's infinitely recyclable. So what that means is that every time aluminium gets recycled, it keeps its um, qualities. It doesn't deteriorate or degenerate over time. So it'll get picked up, made into a new product, and that new product is just as good as it was the first time. That's
0: amazing.
1: Yeah, so that I guess it's kind of referred to as like a circular economy and, and you're using a material that doesn't deteriorate over time. So it's a very sustainable material. And yeah, it's completely recyclable. It actually does get recycled. And like I said, 100% plastic free as well.
0: Yeah, that's that is fantastic. And also, I remember again, you talking to me, you know, before you would actually got this product um, out there about how you wanted people to buy the lipsticks because it was great for their skin and perhaps because it's vegan and they love the sustainable message so there's some really important reasons why but the other why was that actually you wanted to almost stop this disposable buying of cosmetics Um, and because that lipstick bullet is so beautiful remind me you took your inspiration from you know sort of more vintage designs didn't you
1: yeah yeah I have a lipstick from the 1930s in my collection which is made out of silver so it's completely yeah metal um no plastic and, and that's the inspiration behind our design
0: yeah so something that a is an amazing product to use but actually looks beautiful but yet it's still really sustainable. Um, one of the things <laughs> that we, we always end up chatting about as well, Madeline, is um, our shared bugbears around marketing terms within our industry. So yeah, we've sat and got on our soapboxes and had many a conversation about, you know, oh, what is clean beauty and toxic-free? It's just, it's so confusing. Um, and I know things are getting better. I think a lot of companies are being called out on this now. Mm-hmm. Is there a term for you that really frustrates you when it comes to that sort of marketing rubbish?
1: Yeah, I think most of them frustrate me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All of the above.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we did an Instagram live about this, didn't we? And we probably went on a bit of a rant. Um, To be fair, I understand why brands do it. You know, as a brand, you have to market your product. The end game is to sell product. And I get that. Um, What I think is wrong, though, is basically you're telling the customer something that is not the whole truth. And that is then, you know, if, if someone doesn't have full knowledge and the full understanding, what are they supposed to do with that? you know they can't then make an informed decision can they they're kind of left in the dark um and i think you know that's true with the sort of clean beauty terms and and that sort of thing but definitely with recycling claims um you know there's there are a lot of materials that technically yes are recyclable but is that happening no it's not um no and brands are still sort of putting on their products, you know, yeah, this is recyclable. And the customer will look at that and think, great, I'm doing my bit, I'm using a recyclable product. And actually, that's not the full story. And I don't think that's the customer's fault, that's the the manufacturer's fault and the brand's fault. And there are new um, clauses and laws coming in to stop that sort of thing. I think greenwashing laws are very much becoming a, a real thing, which is great. But yeah, it's It is a confusing subject. You know, clean beauty, going back to that, isn't a regulated term. Um, No. There's so many things. And I think all you can do as a consumer is do your research and try and make an informed decision as best you can and just do your best, really.
0: Yeah, and it is amazing. I mean, I still have... So many clients that will come in, um, especially, you know, if they are new to us. And perhaps they're a bit nervous about, you know, just stepping across that threshold because it is daunting. If you've never been into a clinic or a spa environment before, try and always remember that, even though I've been in it for 26 years, that there are a lot of people that that's a really daunting thing to do. And then once they're across the threshold, they then have this. Oh, my goodness. uh, I've got really sensitive skin. My skin's really sensitive because they're just petrified that you're going to make them walk out, you know, bright red and um, you know uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Um, so their natural kind of dialogue will go I use only natural products on my skin (laughs) so you can imagine how that conversation then goes and it is surprising at how many people are still so brainwashed exactly what you said by this term you know yeah I only use natural products so I do then gently just challenge them as to what do you mean by that? Because Mm -hmm. do you mean that it's made using plant extracts, botanicals? Um, Maybe some of those are organic, because if that's the case, then yeah, sure, we've got some products on the shelf that do that. But if you mean I'm literally going to mix you up a product that I have to keep in my fridge, no, I'm not going to do that. So, there is just this confusion. And again, you know, there's anybody can stick natural, all natural ingredients on the front of their product. So, yeah, it does need to change.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been that person who thought that was the way to go before I started Juni and, and when I was a teenager and after using really quite harsh products and medications as well. I was like, right, I'm only going to use natural products little did i know firstly that that wasn't really a thing but also a lot of so called natural products are full of for me what i something i can often find irritating essential oils so just because something is labeled as natural doesn't mean it's any gentler doesn't mean it's better for the skin barrier it, it, you know there's so many twos and throws for everything isn't there
0: yeah, exactly. And you're right there, because, and again, we're not, poo-pooing, we're not poo-pooing essential oils because they are beautiful and they have a place. But mm-hmm. anybody can struggle with any ingredient, even if you think, oh, it's really pure, it's really natural for somebody. That could be a nightmare. And in fact, I remember one client in particular that couldn't use any of those types of products yet give her a, you know, a 70% glycolic professional peel, she would be absolutely fine. Um, so the irony was, was incredible, but anything that had plant extracts, essential oils, she just, she couldn't use them. It would make her react. So I think that is the message. You know, it is, as you say, about educating yourself, but also it isn't one size fits all. And that's why there are so many products and brands available out there. Um, before we move on, just talking a little bit about um, your kind of your your skin care and, and any sort of products that you've got on your radar. Um, one of your latest products that I am loving, I've been using on myself and my clients um, is the Rejuvenating Lip Treatment. So what's kind of next for you? Because you're now sort of coming away from sort of coloured cosmetics in terms of your lipsticks, but still staying on the on the lip Trajectory but sort of leaning into the skincare aspect along that?
1: Yes, so so far we have our collection of luxury hydrating lipsticks and then yeah, launched our rejuvenating lip treatment, which has no colour and is just a pure skincare product. The plan is, and I don't know how long this will last, but definitely for the next few years, is to stay lip-focused. We want to be specialists and experts within that area. But excitingly, that means, you know, we can have colour products, we can have skincare products, we can mesh the two and have hybrid products. So we've got a few different things in development at the moment. One of which, yeah, is skincare and makeup combined. It's a multi-use, you know, easy to use finger makeup, but infused with beautiful skincare ingredients. So that's really exciting and actually I have got a little bit on today which I know <gasps> listeners won't be able to see but I am wearing that product
0: oh my goodness and you are absolutely <laughs> glowing and radiant but you always are Thank but you. now you've said it I'm 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 yeah really glaring at you, on the <laughs> you oh that's so exciting and it's such a big trend isn't it that we're seeing in the coming months there's a lot of talk about that sort of makeup that is good for your skin, that has those skincare qualities? Mm.
1: Well, I don't know if you have ever found this, but I, you know, I would spend so much time and thought on my makeup, sorry, on my skincare, and then put my makeup on top, and I wasn't giving it that same consideration. And actually, that's the stuff that maybe, you know, it's designed to really last a long time and to sort of stay on the skin. So maybe that's the stuff we should be considering a bit more. Um so yeah I think
0: hybrid products done well. Yeah, other way other way forward. Well and actually do you know what that's a really good point because one of the aftercare uh bits of advice that we give clients when they come in is we always say to them, look, ideally I really don't want you to go and put any makeup on now. the next 24 hours if you can help it because you're just going to undo a lot of the work that we've just done, depending of course on what they're using. And that can be really difficult for a lot of people because let's face it, a lot of clients that come in to have facial treatments come in because they are suffering with a skin issue. So it's a real you know difficult from a psychological and confidence viewpoint if they've got to leave after their treatment without any makeup on at all. So To be able to either put something on immediately after a treatment that I know is not going to undo all that work or to say to them, yeah, do you know what? Leave it a few hours. But then actually, if you use something like this, it's going to be fine. Would be amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I know we've both probably been there before where you don't want to leave the house because of the way your skin looks. And sometimes the only answer is actually to put a bit of makeup on. And that's fine. And I think yeah just using the best product possible and i don't mean the most expensive product i mean the best no. for your skin um is a great confidence boost sometimes
0: yeah absolutely um if you were stuck on a uh, a desert island uh what would be your one kind of skincare product that you just you couldn't be without it doesn't i mean you can name brands if you want it doesn't have to be a brand but just a general product
1: okay this is yeah, is my own lip treatment <laughs> and that's not even me Very trying good. to plug it it just <laughs> I hate 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 having dry lips it makes me feel yeah. sick it, oh I just hate it and I use our lip treatment all day every day um so yeah would have to be
0: perfect and actually dare I say she's probably gonna go no don't say that about my lip product but I actually think it's also a bit of a magic salve do you know what I mean? If you've got a little bit of a mm-hmm. little bit of dry skin somewhere or for me, my brows are always a bit wayward. So I might just oh, I'm just going to slick my brows down with a little bit of that. Um So actually, I think it would be a very sensible one uh, to have with you on a yeah, on a desert island.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Just what you need on a desert island.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the most important thing Um, now one of the things before we go that I always ask every guest is I love learning about people's skincare rituals so maybe when they were growing up um, anything they observed weird rituals that used to go on in their house things they used to do themselves so for me I've mentioned this so many times but it was my mum putting her cyclax on i'm gonna have to get cyclax i don't know if they've been made anymore to to sponsor this podcast because i keep giving them so many mentions Mm -hmm. but it was just this big purple pot of cream and she used to put it on and actually it must have been fairly expensive because she always used to put it on her birthday and christmas list and then she'd do this sort of weird massage thing with it um so that for me is that sort of observation of oh yeah she's taking her makeup off with baby lotion and then putting on this big pot of cream was there anything for you growing up
1: um yeah I mean my mum has always worn makeup but she was never hugely passionate about it the way I am but I do always remember her she used a lot of number seven products so that's quite in my mind but the main person was my nanny she was called June which is you know where the inspiration for Junie the brand comes from Um, and yeah, again, she didn't wear a huge amount of makeup, but always, you know, I would watch her, she'd powder her nose and she'd put her lipstick on. She used several different lipsticks, but the one I vividly remember the most is a Revlon one called Pink in the Afternoon, which they still make. Brilliant. And inspired our sunshine lipstick. So, yeah, so she, she really completely unintentionally influenced my sort of scope of what beauty was probably quite classic products you I mean she always used Olay face cream an A&A perfume which is very powdery and quite strong and you know not what I would go for now but it's a lovely memory and whenever I see those Cheap little plastic bottles of (laughs) m I do think very affectionately of them. Um, So yeah, my nanny, bless her. That's lovely. She's the one that kind of influenced me the most, I suppose.
0: And I'd forgotten that that was your inspiration behind the name of the brand as well. Yeah. That's really special. Oh, fantastic. If our listeners want to, I mean, we'll put you know, all of the information about the products and stuff in the show notes as well. But if they want to find you, learn more about you, I mean, can they send you a DM on Instagram if they've got any questions about the range? Where do we send them, Madeline?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, we're just at Junie Cosmetics, J-U-N-I. Um, I run the account, so any DMs come directly to me and I'm always chatting with people and answering questions and advising on products, not just from our brand, but from any brand that I can. And yeah, our website is JunieCosmetics.com. But yeah, email, anything, really. I, I see everything and I answer everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the joy, isn't it, of being a fledgling brand. Um, however, I think also, especially now, the consumer really likes that. They love seeing the founder hearing the founder and knowing that they've got access to you in the nicest way so um, I have no doubt that that's going to get very difficult for you in the years to come because yeah it's just going to fly but um, so yeah basically if you want to talk to if you want to talk to (laughs) Madeline getting quick is all I'm going to say thank you so very much this is just as always you know it's such a pleasure to just sit and chat with you and learn more about the brand but also thank you for yeah being so open and sharing your beliefs as well
1: yeah thank you I can't wait to hear the other episodes I'm genuinely really looking forward to this because I know that you know you surround yourself with really experienced people and, and a lot of experts so I'm sure everyone will learn a lot from this podcast it's really exciting oh
0: thank you I hope so that's my mission. My, my mission to educate is, um, is well underway. Oh, thank you so very much. And um, we'll catch up soon for some green tea. Thank you. Sit tight. It's not over yet. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And then we'll be back with a fly on the wall where you'll get to step into the treatment room with me and hear a conversation with one of my clients. This episode is brought to you in conjunction with the Panasonic 3-in-1 Facial Enhancer with microcurrent technology. This skincare device reduces wrinkle depth after four weeks of use. It's the only anti-aging beauty device in the UK that helps improve the absorption of your expensive skincare creams to make them work harder for you. The Facial Enhancer is clinically proven to improve night cream absorption by up to 40% head to their Instagram profile at Panasonic Beauty UK to learn more and purchase this skincare device. Don't forget, we love to hear from you, so communicate with us via Instagram or indeed make a comment below. And while you're there, make sure that you like and you subscribe. Because I remember like back to college days, that's kind of for me in terms of but that wasn't really rosacea then, was it? That was sort of more like post-shave irritation, that that kind of thing, do you think?
2: Yeah, definitely when I started shaving more regularly and using bad products and stuff like that. Yeah, it really did flame around the chin.
0: Well, when we say bad products though, were you using you using like a sh- like a you know, like a shaving foam or yeah, a, like shaving a shaving cream. Gel But we are going back traditional... what, twenty-five years.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you'd have, have like a shaving gel. Uh, or the traditional stick of uh, shaver soap, or whatever you want to call oh, yeah. it. And then, you know, sort of, yeah, doing it that way, like my dad would have done. And then... Um,
0: yeah, do you know, I was just about to say, like, was was your dad the influence there then? Because I forgot about those. Yeah, like, literally, like, those... Yeah, they were. It is a, it's a soap, isn't it? In yeah, the like, a day, stick an and then you get the brush
2: and you sort of foam mm-hmm. it up and then stick it on your chops and then away you go. But, yeah, I used to watch my dad do it, obviously, fairly regularly. And once I got a little bit of uh, fluff
0: but that that's like well yeah that that has to be right but it used to really you'd
2: slap you aftershave actually literally onto your face wouldn't you so
0: oh my god don't that's horrific um yeah, so your skin's all nice and open and raw from the shaving <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah well no wonders you had issues because i just remember it being like you obviously saying to me and i am literally going back well probably like 26 27 years aren't i really yeah um when we were both at the same college um but but you saying like what do i what do i do about this because it was all Dry and yeah, just really sore.
2: I will say, I did use that uh, with, with quite a popular sort of teenage product at the time called Sale. I think it was called, which ah, is just absolutely uh, yeah. flat infl- I mean, your face was on fire afterwards, so it's horrendous.
0: Yeah, so you use that because you had outbreaks or because you thought that would help with well, that post shave? Well, no, it
2: wasn't. A- I don't think I'd really figured out it was post shaving, it just quite sort of spotty around the chin, nowhere else really, to be fair, but. I probably was just purely down to the shaving and the product I was using was too much yeah. for my skin, basically.
0: because, well, yeah, I mean, you you now understand, obviously, living with me for the amount of years that you have done, mm. how much I'm always wanging on about the lipid barrier. So basically, that's what, that's what was happening. The shaving was breaking down the lipid barrier, but the product that you were using to help that process was really making sure that you were doing a good job of that, um, like most people. And then of course, yeah, you're putting more product on top because you're thinking, yeah, I'll treat the the outbreak, but actually... It's just breaking down that barrier even more. So I remember like recommending—I mean, I literally didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I, I, I think I'd done about four weeks of my course at that point, um but recommending this—it uh, was almost like a creamy-based cleanser yeah. for you to use to shave with—and that pretty much sorted it out. Yeah, I remember really yeah. quickly, and I remember being like, "Oh my god! I'm like I'm an expert. I've only been doing this for a month. I'm brilliant at this." um Literally, didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, "Well, everyone seems to like that cleanser. I'll just recommend that because I don't." really know what else to say um but then so moving forward from that mm-hmm. from a rosacea tendency like that wasn't really a problem was it for it was that classic I think if I remember for you coming into your kind of 30s that I'm then you started to get 30s. that sort of inflammatory <laughs> response do you think of that
2: um yeah it just sort of yeah, just seemed to creep up on me and it <clears throat> just came along and I didn't really know what it was and it's you know before it was not too late, but just yeah, creeps up on you, and then there's not much you can do, I suppose.
0: Well, I think the thing with rosacea is that it it it's a vascular disorder. So people tend to think that it's to do with acne because it tends to give rise to these spotty outbreaks, and often there, you know, there's there's a pus uh, formation going on. Nice conversation, mm. um, but because there's an infection that has has you know it's taken place so people immediately think oh you know it's it's something to do with acne and I remember at college being taught back then that it was called acne rosacea um but actually it's not to do anything to do with with acne it's to do with it being a vascular disorder of the skin so it's to do with your capillary network and this increase in inflammation within the body and therefore that comes through to the to the skin And a lot of people can pinpoint what some of those triggers are. So it's always good to get a diagnosis of of rosacea. You know, that needs to come from a dermatologist or it needs to come from a GP that has some interest and specialization in um, in skin health. But then people can often pinpoint what their triggers are. And it could be the classic things like change in temperature so hot cold where you've got that vasodilation and constriction of the capillary um it could be certain foods so hot spicy food it can be caffeine um it can be changes in climate as we've just said as well but i know that sort of a lot of the work that we've done and and we've had discussed is that we tend to find there's a link with your gut health here as well don't we
2: yeah yeah i would say so um a reasonable amount of stress i suppose and yeah Maybe the food side of things
0: yeah cuz i think those times where perhaps it sort of flares up at its worst are when as you say you're kind of you're stressed and you're running on empty a bit and and the stress almost hits your gut if that makes sense um so i so you know some of the things that we always say with you is obviously sugar from a from a skin viewpoint is not good anyway, irrespective of what the issue is. But I think particularly for people with rosacea, it's trying to, first of all, just clean out, you know, the refined stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So it's all the obvious sugars that we want to try and limit through our diet and have balance there anyway, and then sort of fine tuning if, we need to, in terms of sort of, you know, even excessive kind of fruits and things like that, can sometimes exasperate it as well. But I think definitely there is that stress link. Improvement during during lockdown when there was when there was a break to a degree. I mean, obviously there was still stress going on, but
2: yeah, I think so. Well, you live with me, so you should.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I think it's that kind of. It was that observation of look how much calmer your skin is. Um, And then literally, I think the minute we were able to, you know, get, you know, you were able to get back to it in terms of your work, it all started flaring up again, didn't it? Yeah. Um, And then there's that kind of element of control as well. Something else that is quite interesting to touch on, because there is also this thought process, and and this actually has been around since, you know, I was at college that we used to talk about, rosacea sufferers having an excess of this Dermadex mite mm-hmm. on the skin yeah. we all have it but there's more of those when you have rosacea um, and you went and had an eye like an eye spa treatment which was amazing what what did the guy say when you went to have that done because that was interesting in terms of these mites
2: yeah I mean that was something I didn't know anything about before and yeah he'd said I had quite a few of those um, which is fairly normal by all accounts um so yeah I had a fairly good treatment around the eyes which cleared a lot of that up and I did have a, a bit of an impact thereafter so obviously um
0: yeah so so interesting that you know that obviously that is true because I, I think you said to me oh yeah he said there's quite a lot you know quite an excess of these mites around the eyes and kind of the lashes which obviously yeah. you can't see um because they're yeah, microscopic but um But that definitely had a positive influence, I think, for a good few weeks afterwards. And I don't think it's come back as bad since you've had that done. No. But I think in terms of, of sort of topical remedies, aside from obviously something that's prescribed by a dermatologist or a GP. So, yes, you could go the antibiotic route topically orally. Personally, I don't think that's something that you can sustain or maybe you should sustain because, of course, that's affecting all of the amazing gut flora um, and your skin flora as well in terms of those good bacterias. But, you know, from a topical viewpoint, we're looking at things like niacinamide are really effective. Yes, the importance of really nurturing and supporting that lipid barrier, getting your skin to protect itself. So ceramides and cholesterols and fatty acids in a in an effective moisturiser, and then looking at things like, um, you know, botanical. So things like licorice have been uh, really well thought of in terms of sort of reducing inflammation and calendula. Um, So there are a lot of really effective kind of preparations that you can apply topically, but ultimately with rosacea, you have to look from within. There's often a genetic predisposition, but it's not enough just to treat it externally. You do yeah you have to you have to look from within
2: yeah totally agree with that
0: thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe